What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. That is David Lake. We are coming to you on a Friday morning, depending on your listening to this. Maybe it's Saturday, maybe it's Sunday, but spring football is right around the corner for the Hurricanes. They're going to open it up on March 2nd, Monday morning. So if you're listening to it then, um, this is a good preview if you're listening to it uh, on friday or saturday or sunday it's also a good preview um before we get into year two of the manny diaz era or i should say spring uh 2.0 for manny david kind of how are you uh how you doing man doing well excited for the spring they pushed it back on us but i think it makes sense they were originally going to start it on february 29th which is the saturday and i think you know with with the inability to host recruits that day because february is pretty much a dead period i think it makes sense to just push it back to monday and and get things rolling in march you agree yeah i mean it it makes sense um i guess there's been what some barry jackson of the miami herald reported that miami's probably going to play their spring game on april 11th that'll be at traz powell stadium as uh hard rock stadium has something going on that day. So I think it makes sense uh, in, in the sense that Miami's a, a week ahead of everyone else. I think Florida, Florida State, their spring games are the weekend of April 18th. So I'm just excited it's here. Uh, yeah. The dead period was brutal. Um, and yeah. I'm ready to just, just see what this team's all about. There's definitely, in my mind, it is a spring in which there are a ton of interesting storylines, more so than a usual spring, in my opinion. And we will get into that here in a minute. And yeah, I'm excited. I think on many different levels, there's a lot to talk about with this team moving forward. More storylines this spring than last spring? or It's more interesting to me, to be honest, just because I'm curious about what this offense looks like. I'm curious what Derek King looks like. Um on defense, you know, there's some additions there that it's like, okay, is this guy going to be a dude or is it just, is it uh, more of the same from, from what we've seen from this player in the past? So, yeah, I get it. The newness last year uh, probably had the fan base more excited. But for me, I think this team on paper is a lot more legitimate. And so I'm ready to see just how legit they look during the course of the spring. I'm as well. So let's just go over the format for for the show. Me and me and David is uh, uh, the best way we thought to to preview spring football is we're just gonna go kind of position group by position group, just say our our thoughts on each one. Uh, we're gonna start on the offensive side of the ball. We'll take a quick break, then we'll get into the defensive side of the ball. Um, and hopefully the show's is under an hour. But like you said, David, I mean, there's a ton to talk about. I don't think it's gonna get uh, very redundant. So if you're ready, let's uh, let's just kind of jump into it. Yeah, let's go. All right, so let's start with quarterbacks. Um, I guess a question I kind of posed in our little document we got here is, what do you want to know about each blank position group this spring? For me, I think the obvious storyline is what happens with with Derek King, uh, what he looks like, how does he move in Rhett Lashley's offense? Uh, is he the guy that gets the first rep in line? I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be the case. Uh, so those are the easy, obvious things. But I really want to know is what what does Peyton Matocha look like? Uh, the 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 red shirt freshman quarterback from from last year's signing signing class. I mean, we never have really gotten a chance to see him at all. I mean, he could be a pretty talented passer. He could be a guy who who fits this offense. If you guys remember, he played in a spread offense uh, coming out of the Houston area. Was recruited by Dan Enos probably the more one of the more athletic quarterbacks Miami had on the roster this past season if not the most athletic but we never really got to see him in a scrimmage um he never got any game snaps so I'm kind of interested to see what he looks like this spring because moving forward after this upcoming season you know De'Ara King's going to be gone Nikosi Perry could graduate transfer Tate Martell could leave uh so I'm interested to see if there's a future with him and what he looks like in this offense no, I agree. I think that's fair. Um, you know, when we when we project and think forward about what the quarterback position might look like, we kind of assume it could be a battle between Nikosi Perry and Tyler Van Dyke. Um, 
but I think Matoka has some he has some intriguing skills. Uh, as you mentioned, he he played in a in an offense at the high school level that's very similar to this Rhett Lashley offense. And he's more athletic than people probably realize. What do you remember what his high jump state championship numbers was? Was it like six foot eight that he cleared? Yeah. Yeah. Or I want to say it was six nine. I mean, that's that's some impressive hops. I think what did he clock in the forty? Do you know like a high four six, low four seven? Was he that kind of guy? Yeah, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I'm pulling well, up the profile. I, I think you're right. But his sister runs track at Texas A&M. I mean, he's an athletic guy, like I said. Sure, you're right. I'm just saying he's kind of more of a dual threat than people probably realize, which I think, look, do you have to be a dual threat to run this Rhett Lashley offense? No, but I think that run threat does make it more effective. And Matoka has that ability. I'm curious, too, from the standpoint of I think one of the cult, quote unquote culture things that Manny Diaz needed to fix as he became head coach was the way the quarterback room worked when uh, a young player was taking a red shirt. I think we had seen, quite frankly, the last decade, um, if a freshman quarterback was not playing, was not starting. Uh, that redshirt year kind of, in my opinion, proved to be a waste with a lot of these guys because oh yeah, they didn't take it seriously. They didn't work at their craft and and look at it as an opportunity to get better and then hit the ground running in the following spring. Um, so I think I think it'll be interesting from that standpoint too. How much work has Matoka put in this fall? How seriously did he take that redshirt, that transition time from high school to college? Six six in the high jump. That's what it was. State state okay. champion, and he was a four seven six kid in the forty yard dash on the lasers with a with a thirty one inch vert and a, and a four three two in the shuttle. So yes, like we said, very athletic. He's a threat. So for me. Um, the thing I'm curious about at quarterback, and this is probably something that'll develop during the course of the spring with Derek King. I think we all know, like, yeah, he's going to bring dynamic ability with his his run threat, and I think his deep balls are going to be effective as well. The thing I'm curious about with him being a graduate transfer at quarterback is how does he emerge as a leader at that position? Um you know, he, he seems like a guy who embraces that role. He doesn't seem like the most vocal type guy. He seems like a guy who wants to lead by example and by work ethic, which I think is fine. Um, but, I, you know, clearly last year, you could probably even say the last two or three years. Um, in my opinion, Miami has lacked leadership from the quarterback position. And I think that matters because everyone on the team looks to the quarterback when the chips are down or or when things get tough. And I want to see how Derek King grows into that role uh, during the course of the spring. Like, do I expect practice one? He's going to be out there being vocal and, and kind of being rah-rah leader guy? No. Um, but I think by the spring game, I think I hope to see some of that some of those leadership qualities that are very very important from the quarterback position moving right along i mean we could sit here and probably talk quarterbacks all day uh running back group this is a unit that really doesn't look like the, the unit we this time last year in any way i mean remember there was asa martin here lorenzo lingard dj dallas i mean cam harris was kind of not like an afterthought but uh we probably would have pegged him as a, as a second or third running back. Now he's going to be the lead running back this spring. So what what is your kind of big, what do you want to know about this position group uh, once they exit spring ball? So to me, the thing I think is most interesting about the running back group is, will it be a group that has a clear number one guy, a clear lead running back, or is it going to be a running back by committee situation? Honestly, I could see it going either way at this point. 
but in my opinion, I think it is best for the offense if Cam Harris steps up and emerges as the clear number one guy. Um, why is that? Because I think in Rhett, in Rhett Lashley's offense, he's shown um, since being a coordinator uh, at places like Arkansas State, Auburn, UConn, and SMU, when he feels like he has that lead running back, he will ride that back, give him 200 carries in a season, and you know every time that that running back gets 200 carries, that that back cracks a thousand yards and scores over 10 touchdowns. So I think if Cam Harris shows he is that guy, that's going to be a very good sign. If Cam doesn't really separate from the pack, um, it's probably going to be more of a, a running back by committee look, which which could be fine, which can work. Um, I just think in a no huddle offense, it's probably best to have a clear-cut number one guy. I absolutely agree. I mean, I guess we should point out Don Chaney will not be participating this spring. He, he underwent some type of shoulder surgery last month. So while he enrolled early, um, he's not available right now, which is which is fine. But to me, that, that puts a lot more pressure on Jalen Knight and the running back. Um to because I mean he should be getting second and third team reps behind Cam Harris and Robert Burns and you know Jalen Knight was a top 24/7 kid a kid who ran for you know, 5,000 yards at, at Deerfield Beach over the course of his career but I still do think there are I don't know if I have questions about his his hands or or whatnot but I I think I'm not I'm not ready yet to just pencil him and him in as a guy that's not going to redshirt year one so I want to see uh what he looks like how they try to utilize in the offense to see someone that they maybe also work in the slot or or whatnot so he's the one player that I kind of have circled that um we're going to need to see see a lot from just because Don Chaney's out uh and and there really isn't a lot of depth behind him and I will say it it is kind of a shame that Don Chaney is going to be out uh, this spring, because in my opinion, he is the guy that would legitimately push Cam Harris for a starting job. I, I do like Jalen Knighton uh, in a role, but do I think he's necessarily a guy who can handle, you know, 20 carries in a game? I'm not sure about that. I think Don Chaney definitely can. And, you know, look, ultimately, Running back is a position where guys can kind of plug and play, so maybe it won't matter. Maybe Don Chaney will be fine in fall camp and still push for the starting job. Um, it just would have been nice to see it in the spring. Do you do you agree with that? Do you think Don Chaney would have been the best or the most likely option to push Cam Harris for this for this job if he was healthy in the spring? I think so. Um, I mean. Don't get me wrong. Like Knight and Chaney, both talented backs. I, I just yeah. think uh, Don's more of a, a, a complete back, if that makes sense. Uh, I think maybe he uh, w- isn't going to take as long uh, to develop some some pass blocking skills. And I, I know he probably has never pass blocked at Belen Jesuit. I mean, they, 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 they ran an old school offense where I don't think he ever had to do that. I, but I do agree. I, Don Chaney would probably be the one. Um, transitioning just sticking with with guys that are injured i mean moving to the next position group brevin jordan we don't know how much he's going to be able to go this spring um so that once again uh, puts will mallory right right in the in the spotlight and and for me what i want to know about the tight end group is is will mallory ready to to take that next step because i felt like last season he really came on late and I think in Lashley's offense, I mean, he's made it pretty clear in, in the media sessions that it, have been available. He wants to get the tight ends the ball. So I want to know if Will Mallory uh, can be an impact type player. No, I think that's fair. And, you know, the thing I, I want to see from this group is how exactly the tight end is utilized. And, you know, at SMU, Last year, Rhett Lashley had a talented tight end in, in Kylan Granson, who honestly, from a body uh, body standpoint and from a 
ability standpoint with his speed and catching ability, he's pretty similar to, to Brevin Jordan. He's he's Granson's like a six foot three, two hundred and thirty-five, two hundred and forty pound uh tight end that can play in the slot can move to H back that can play in line and you know Brevin honestly he's probably 10 to 15 pounds bigger and probably a little more athletic so you know again we'll see how 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 much Brevin can do this spring but in my opinion it's probably probably not a lot right I think it'll be limited maybe he maybe he plays more and more as the spring progresses um, but I think if he is utilized in the same way that Lashley used Granson, I think there's a chance Brevin could have the best season Miami's had from a tight end, uh, ever in terms of yardage, uh, the, the record in yardage for, by a Miami tight end is by Willie Smith in 1984, who had 852 yards, um, I'm saying this because I do think Lashley's up-tempo offense is going to give more opportunities to all the skilled players, including Jordan. Um, and I think he's going to be one of the the players that is definitely highlighted in this system. To me, the only question mark with, with Brevin with challenging that type of record is is his health. Uh, he's He's kind of struggled to stay healthy during both his years, to be honest. And, but I do think if he stays healthy, plays a full, you know, 12, 13 games, I think he's going to challenge for that 852 yard mark last year. Uh, the SMU tight end I, I've been referring to, he, he had like 720 yards. So I think Brevin's a better player than him. And I think some serious production from the tight end group, uh, could happen. And, and and I'm curious to see how they are utilized this spring. Uh, I'm only I'm just going to bring this up because I we were joking about it. Uh, would you consider Brevin Jordan more of a wide receiver or a running back once the ball's in his hands? Definitely a running back. <laughs> <laughs> he is the way he moves and cuts and can fight through potential tackles like. I think he even said at one of these press conferences uh, after a game, one of his big games, he said, you know, I played running back growing up and I kind of just outgrew that position. But you can still see those skills are there. I think, you know, look, if this was like the 1970s or 1980s, he might be playing running back. Um, But yeah, he's one of those unique mixes of talents and skill sets and like you're alluding to, if you give him the ball in space, like little quick passes, he's going to be a pain for defenses to get on the ground. He's a, he's a yak machine. That's what he is. Yeah. Um, two more things with the tight end group. Brian Polandi, no longer here. He, he entered the transfer portal. Um, Dominique Marmorelli, he's in as an early enrollee. And then you got Larry Hodges, who uh, caught two touchdowns in, in that Bethune-Cookman blowout. In, in week, what was that, week three or, or whatnot. So yeah. I, I think he's another guy who they could get in the slot and is, is I mean, from the day Miami started recruiting him, the people in Coral Gables kept saying how they think he's such a natural catcher of the ball. And he might not be the biggest guy, but um, he knows how to get open and, and find windows and, and keep moving. So it'll be interesting to see if, while Brevin's out, they kind of try to use, utilize him in some type of role like that. And also Will Mallory, out of his yeah. 16 catches last season, 12, 12 of them came in the final three games. Right. When Brevin was hurt, right? So right. Yeah. the thing the thing I'll say about Will real, real quick, I think this offense will also benefit him because I don't know how much in this offense he's going to be asked to play in line. I think he's going to be utilized straight up as like a slot receiver or inside receiver. And to me, that best suits his skill set. You agree? Yeah, I mean it's like it's like last year when they had all the quarterbacks going under center for all spring. It's like what are you guys doing? Like this is not what your quarterback should be doing. That wasn't their skill set and I don't think Brevin is never going to be an inline blocker. So I, I think just kicking him out is going to make it things a lot easier. I mean, he was 
what, a 110-meter hurdle, not state champ, but he, he made it to states. I mean, he's an athletic freak. Yeah. Um, don't ask 100 the, time the, was the guy what, to do 10, 10.99, right? I yeah. think was his yeah, best he, 100. Yeah. Uh, so get this guy the ball in space. I mean, that's all, that's what football is becoming. It's And you pointed out to me in the text message on Thursday when the combines in the NFL or when the tight ends are running at the NFL combine, you're like, man, it just makes you appreciate how athletic Brevin and, and Will really yeah. are. They, they're watching Will and Brevin run uh, is a lot more effortless than it was watching the tight ends going through the NFL combine, um, you know, running their 40s. So Miami has some serious mismatch potential at tight end. We were saying this last year and, and we kept hearing from, you know, the Danny Enos regime that, yeah, they're going to use two tight ends and we're going to really feed them the ball. Did that necessarily happen like we thought it would? No. Um, but I think I think that could legitimately happen in this new spread offense, which I'm not sure fans really realize how much the spread still utilizes a tight end. Um, it's different because they're probably not going to be attached to the line as much, but they're still get, they're going to get the ball probably even more than they would have in a pro style offense. Moving along, moving along. Uh, next position group, wide receiver. So for me, everyone will want to talk about this spring, about Eric King, Rhett Lashley, what the offense looks like and, and how those two gel and what they're able to do. However, I think if there's one position group where that's, I don't know, on the spot, it, it might be wide receiver. And the player that I think really needs to step up is Jeremiah Payton. Uh, the redshirt freshman wide receiver. You know, we heard all last season from people in Coral Gables that this guy was tearing up practices uh, on the scout team. I, he only appeared in, in four games so he could save a year of eligibility. But for me, with Miami transitioning from that pro-style West Coast look to a spread offense, he's someone that they need to step up. And I think he's pretty talented. Like, I yeah. loved him coming out of high school. Um he can get the ball. He can catch the ball. He can run. We saw it last spring when he was here. He had that like 70-yard uh, catch and score in one of those spring scrimmages. So for me, if there's one player that Miami really needs to step up, it's Jeremiah Payton. Yeah, and I think he does have the potential to be the number one receiver this year, to be honest. You know, a lot has to happen. He's got to show it. you got to prove it. But I think that potential is there. And to me, the thing I want to see from the group in general, kind of along similar lines, is how does this group step up during spring and show that, okay, our inconsistencies of the past are behind us. We're ready to step up and, and contribute, particularly the, the four older guys. So Mike Harley, honestly, Mike has kind of made the most of his career, in my opinion. So he might not even qualify for this category. But I think the guys like D. Wiggins, Mark Pope, uh, Jeremiah Payton, probably unfair because he, he just redshirted last year. But those three guys need to step up and need to show the coaching staff, in my opinion, hey, we know you're you're kind of exploring the transfer portal for a veteran wide receiver. You don't need to because... We are out here producing in this offense, playing at a high level in this offense. And so I think if if the wide receiver group can kind of send that message, it would be a huge development for the offense. Will they will they send that message? You know, I have to see it before I believe it, because, you know, guys like Mark Pope has underachieved. D Wiggins has shown a lot of potential, but. Overall, it's been kind of an up and down ride with D. Wiggins in terms of consistency. Um, but yeah, I think I do still believe in those talent and the talent of those players. So, Mark Pope, I'm still hanging by a thread, but I still believe in him. I st like, in my opinion, he is still the most talented guy they got. Uh, is it going to ever all come together? I hope so. I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm hanging by a thread, but I'm keeping it positive with Mark Pope. Uh, D. Wiggins, 
you know, he showed he could be a tremendous deep threat last year. And honestly, he wasn't really targeted all that much in that role. I do think that's going to change in this offense where, you know, one of those outside receivers pretty much on every every snap in this offense, someone's running deep. And if that's going to be D Wiggins, that's going to be a good thing. And then Jeremiah Payton, he's right there with Mark Pope in terms of talent. Um, you know, he, he probably is better at making the contested catches than Mark Pope, whereas Mark Pope is probably a little faster. Um, but yeah, look, this group doesn't lack talent, in my opinion. It definitely lacks production. And so it is time to have that production match the talent. And we'll see how it goes this spring. Four early enrollees as well at wide receiver. Uh, Michael Redding, he not isn't expected to go through drills. I think he's got something going on with his wrist. Xavier Restrepo's here. Daz Worsham's here. Uh, and then you also got Keyshawn Smith. So it's a very, very green group. Um, and, uh, did you even bring up Mike Harley? Have we even mentioned him? I mean, he's I touched well. on him a little bit. But yeah, he's look, he's going to be the veteran of the group. He's gonna, cra- he's, which is crazy to me. It feels like it was just the other day. He's going to be their main slot guy, probably, which is a huge role in this offense. And look, he's just Mr. Dependable, Mr. Reliable. You know what you're going to get with Mike Harley. Uh, is he necessarily as dynamic as the other guys? No. But that dependability is something the other guys don't have. And so it is highly valued on this team. Let me let me put you on the spot, Andrew. Who, If you were going to pick one of these guys to lead the team in receiving yards. Take the tight ends out of the equation. Just at wide receiver, who would you pick? I mean, I want to ride with Jeremiah Payton. I think if he, if the hype is real, he should be the guy. Um, But I, you know, I think the safe money would probably really, I mean, that is safe. It seems, but it seems like he's, I don't know. There was different games this past season. Louisville kind of jumps out. I think the FIU game from two years ago where Harley was very efficient in kind of those drag slot routes where he right. would catch it and, and pick up 10, 12 yards. So I think he can get it done uh, in this type of offense. And I, I do think he has good footwork. It's in, in and out of his breaks well. So I think that would be the the safe money. Where do you stand on Mark Pope? Are you a believer still or are you uh... – are you jumping off? You are like the president of his fan club. Um, I, I, I still, I still believe. Nice. Let's go. <laughs> he was a beast in high school, man. Like typically, you know, typically when we see these guys in high school, we have a good idea and understanding of what they will be in college. And, and Mark Pope was a beast in high school, so I expected him to be a very good college player. And it just hasn't happened yet. And it's one of those rare cases where I can't explain it. So hopefully hopefully it all comes together this spring and this new offense kind of unlocks his potential. Oh, you also got to think, too. I mean, this is going to be Mark Pope's third wide receivers coach. It was Ron Dugans, then Taylor Stubblefield. Now it's Rob Likens. So I think there are certain situations where that, that makes it a little bit difficult on the player. Right, but I do think this offense will, will be easier for him. Do you agree? It should be. Yeah, I mean, it should be. That's why Manny brought in Rhett Lashley. Right, so we'll see how it all comes together with Pope. Hopefully, he ends up proving me right. <laughs> okay, last position group, and probably, I don't know, not the biggest question mark, but the one the one unit where Miami absolutely has to get better and that's the offensive line. Hurricanes gave up 50 sacks last season. That was the worst mark out of any Power 5 team. But the good news, six offensive linemen are back that have started multiple games um, at the college level. DJ Scaife is obviously one. Yvonne Donaldson, Corey Gaynor, Ja'Kai Clark, John Campbell, and I'm, I'm forgetting someone. Who else, who else am I forgetting off the top of my head? But... It'll come to me in a second. But but Miami has depth back on the offensive line and a new line coach as well, just like how the wide receivers are under Rob Likens. It's Garen Justice who's who's here now. Um, 
David, like, what do you what do you need to see from this group? Yeah, so I want to see how Zion Nelson has, you know, bounced back or, or progressed or you know, taken in what happened in 2019 and moved on and and look to improve this offseason because honestly what was asked of him last fall wasn't fair. He wasn't ready to be the starting left tackle at a power five program last year, both from a body type standpoint and from a you know technique standpoint. Uh, but he was thrown into the fire. He seemed to handle it, you know, pretty well. And so now I'm curious. Okay, where's he? Where's his head at right now? How's how's he looking in terms of physically? How is he at the 300 pound mark yet? Um, has his technique improved yet? And I mean, look, he's going to go against some some beast edge rushers all spring. So. He's going to get tested, and if he can stand up to the test, that's going to be a very good sign for the offensive line because if you have a reliable left tackle, the other positions on that group kind of just fill in, and your line can be, you know, average to good and, you know, potentially great if the other positions on the line play at a high level as well. Um, So... Basically, what I'm saying is Miami gambled big time on Zion Nelson last year for the future. Well, that future is now, and I'm curious just how how much he has improved uh, since the end of, of 2019. Well, if you think about it, I mean, this is supposed to be like when Zion's first cracking the two deep, like this spring. I mean, he came right. last spring. I think, what, what did Mark say on the... ACC network that they weren't expecting him to play for like three years. Right. Um, Which so, I think is true. Oh yeah. Like, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. The thing about this group is kind of what changes does Garen justice make? Where does he kind of plug and play guys? I mean, you know, Corey Gaynor is probably a lock to be the center. I would assume, but he might also be able to play some guard DJ Scafe, He's been all over the line, right? Tackle, left tackle, uh, guard, Navon Donaldson has played some tackle and some guard. Ja'Kai Clark, he was a second-team center last fall camp. Then he ended up at guard. John Campbell's gone back and forth. You also got Kylie on Herbert, Zelante Hillary, and then the two early enrollees, uh, Chris Washington and, and Jalen Rivers. So who is kind of where, and I think we'll know a lot based on where Scaife is. Is Scaife going to be an interior yeah. guy or is he going to be an exterior guy? Um, I would probably lean towards maybe one of the tackle spots just because now they're going spread. Yeah. So those are kind of the big storylines. And I don't think whatever we write on the site Monday morning, Hey, this is starting, starting too deep is going to be the same too deep by the, by the end of spring. So it will be interesting and kind of based on what, what they know they have, then they can go shopping in the portal if they still feel like they need a guy. I do understand that, you know, some mixing and matching needs to happen during the spring on the offensive line. Uh, but personally, you know, it's going to be kind of an eye roll moment if we see DJ Scaife go out there at right guard or left guard on the first day of yeah. spring. Because yes. he's he's kind of established, like, I understand, he doesn't look like a tackle. Uh, but hopefully... Garen Justice doesn't fall into that trap of being like, well, this guy looks like a guard. Um, you know, is DJ Scaife a NFL tackle? No. But he has demonstrated, you know, as a true freshman, as a sophomore this past year, that he is one of the better tackles on the roster. And so you just need to roll with it and try and continue to develop him in that role. Uh, because honestly, I don't see an option that can even push him. Do you? Like, who would you suggest? Because to me, he's clearly better than John Campbell at tackle. Uh, I mean, Adam Algamal. I guess maybe Jalen Rivers, if you want to toy around with that. Um, I, well, I, let me interject here. I, I do 
think Adam El Gamal um, is he he could be he could be something based on what we what I saw him walking around campus uh, last month. I I don't know. I mean, the jury's not out on him yet. I'm not ready to write right. him off. No, I think that's fair. But is he right now ready? Is he a better tackle than DJ Scaife? I would have a hard time Absolutely believing that. Absolutely not. No. But and look. Jalen Rivers, yes, that's intriguing. But to me, I'd rather start Jalen on the inside. And if he shows he can handle that, you kick him out to tackle later in his career. That's just my opinion. But, you know, I think so much. Like last year, Butch Berry in the spring, it seemed to, you know, looking back, it seems like he didn't really have a good feel for his personnel at all. And... You know, it was constant mixing and matching and, and kind of playing guys out of position. And that kind of hap- happened through fall camp as well. And we saw the starting offensive line he wanted to go with against Florida, and it was an outright disaster. So my hope would be, look, I understand, again, mixing and matching is going to happen during the spring. I would hope that happens during the first two or three weeks of spring, and then maybe the last two scrimmages, Garen Justice has his feel for the group and has his starting O-line kind of set and lets those guys gel and work together and, and build that chemistry because I'm not, you know, last year's offensive line, quite frankly, was not talented enough, and it didn't really have very good communication or chemistry either. And that's just a disastrous combination if that happens. All right. Coming up on the other side, we are going to talk about the defensive position groups. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, guys, we are back uh, from that commercial break. Uh, I guess we should kind of bring up how we heard that there was some interesting advertisement choices on the last episode. As a reminder, we have no control over what those advertisements <laughs> are, uh, but David has taken care of it. He's reached out to the people that um, not, not produce our podcast, but kind of drop those advertisements in and, and moving forward. I think there can be a lot more listener friendly. So everyone give Give David a round of applause for that. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, had to uh, lubricate that situation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Great, 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 great play on the words. Let's let's go right back into it. So we went through pretty much everyone on offense. Um, we'll start right at right at the line of scrimmage again. Defensive end, David. What do you want to know about this defensive end group, which had lost? Uh, both Trayvon Hill and Jonathan Garvin, two edge rushers that are now at the NFL Combines. So um, they're, they're, they're missing some production, but I think there's reason to be optimistic about this group. So for me, the player I'm most curious about outside of Derek King is Jalen Phillips, um, who you know was the former number one overall recruit in the class of 2017, transferred him from UCLA 
this past fall, so he had to sit sit the fall out. As he also, uh, you know, due to NCAA transfer rules, and during that time, he wasn't even like working on the scout team, wasn't doing anything like football related in pads or anything like that. He was just kind of getting healthy, getting his body right, uh, adding the weight that he had lost as he stepped away from football for a little bit, and. So I'm curious now, like, okay, there's no, there was no denying as a high school recruit that Jalen is a freak athlete. Um, I think, honestly, he has the speed and acceleration to be, like, he could have been a pretty good tight end, in my opinion. He's that fast. Um, there's clips of him at the high school level where he's, like, returning punts for touchdowns. Um, he's just a tremendous athlete. I think he even showed that ability too at UCLA. It wasn't consistent, but in some games he would really step up and, you know, he made some, some big time plays at UCLA. His role at Miami is going to be a little different than it was at UCLA. He's kind of, he was more of a stand up, almost like outside linebacker ish type guy at UCLA. And now at Miami, he's going to be you know, an edge straight up defensive end, edge rusher, uh, hand in the dirt kind of guy. So I'm just curious to see, okay, is he going to, and honestly, he doesn't even have to live up to the number one talent, number one overall player in the country recruit uh, level. But if he can live, if he can show that, yeah, he's a guy who should have been considered a top hundred recruit, that's going to be a tremendous uh, addition of depth to this defensive end rotation, which is already extremely talented with Greg Rousseau and Quincy Roche. Um, and so, yeah, if if Jalen can step up and show that he is, you know, fully committed to football, fully committed to getting the most out of his talent level, uh, that three-man rotation and even the four-man rotation with Jafari Harvey, it's it has a chance to be one of the best in the country. I I agree. And I will point out that I think Jalen w- really wasn't doing the scout team because I think he had his wrist cleaned up. He, he has yeah. some type of surgery midway through that season. But, I mean, he's supposed to be 100%. Um, for me, I want to know, you mentioned that four-man rotation with, with Jalen, Quincy, uh, Greg, and, and then Jafari Harvey. What... What about Cam Williams? You know, he was yeah. a, a three-star recruit who, who redshirted this past season. He kind of flashed a little in those open practices we got to see um, last, was that fall camp? I just want to know, I mean, is this maybe a potentially a, a fifth guy that can be part of the rotation? So he's he's someone that I'll have my eyes on when, when we're out there out of practices. And it, it's a pretty dang talented group. Right, and and. I'll say this about Cam, Cam Williams. I, I do think, so I think out of high school, he was a, a pretty, you know, not the highest possible three-star, but he was a solid three-star level recruit in terms of the ratings. I would not be surprised if he outperforms that rating because at the high school level, I did see some some intriguing athleticism and signs that he does have ability. Um, he's got a, continue to work and put it all together but i'm with you i'm intrigued by what cam williams can bring to the table as well moving to the inside of the line uh miami returns not a ton of guys but a lot of guys john ford's back i mean remember there was some rumors that he might actually go pro which i think would have been a bit of a disaster but he, he he's back you got jordan miller nesta silvera and then the three freshmen, which the coaches, all they do is hype up, and, and they have Jason Blissett, Gerard Harrison Hunt, and, and Jalar, Hari, J- Jalar Hawley. Excuse me. For me, I, I, I want to know which one of these freshman def- defensive tackles is ready to play because I think me and you both this time last year after those guys had signed would said we like Jason and Blissett the best, and Jalar Hawley was the one that ended up traveling with the team. You know, he's the hype man on the sidelines. And then uh, Gerard Harrison Hunt, honestly, I thought looked like he had the best body. So I want to know which one of those guys kind of emerges um, and is able to 
give Miami, if it's 10 snaps uh, in the fall or, or whatever it is. Who would be your pick? I think it'll probably... My my guess is I think it's going to be Jalar Hawley, but I think long-term potentially J- Jason Blissett will be the best. Okay. I would agree. I, like, I think Jalar, too, will probably maybe play the most with the second team-ish guys, um, you know, during spring and probably early in the season. In my opinion, I, I'm intrigued long-term. I'm with you. Blissett, I think, is going to be good, too. But I'm intrigued by Harrison Hunt. I think his combination of size, length, athleticism at his size is extremely intriguing. He's probably the most raw of the three, right? So yeah. he might he probably has the longest way to go. But I think once he realizes his potential on, on what he can be, I think it's going to be impressive. He, he was a basketball player first. I mean, there's there's videos of him like dunking on, on a on uh, YouTube. And, and you got to think, I mean, Miami felt so good about those, those three linemen that they really didn't place much of an emphasis on, on interior guys in, in the class of 2020. So if you believe in, in Manny Diaz and Todd Stroud, then these guys should be, uh, should be something. So for me, a defensive tackle, I just want to see what Nesta Jade Silvera brings to the table. Um, you know, he's going into his third year He's definitely flashed his potential, particularly, you know, last year's game against Florida State. I thought he was, you know, borderline dominant in that game with his pressures and and the way he was chasing down uh, seminal players. Uh, But the thing with Nesta, he's dealt with some injuries during his career, and I do feel like the production hasn't necessarily always been consistent when he is healthy. So, you know, this is his third year. It's time to be that consistent type player. And if he does prove to be that player, he's going to to be an impact guy at, at the defensive tackle spot. So I'm just curious to see what kind of jump he makes uh, now that he is a upperclassman. And I, and I wrote about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. One one lineman I know that some people inside the football offices are pretty excited about is is Jordan Miller. And yeah. um, you know, I don't have I don't have the pro football focus numbers in, in front of me, but I do remember games late in the season last year where he kind of graded out pretty well. So it's it's been it's been fun to see him kind of transition. Remember, he was an unknown three star that Miami found really late. Uh, a couple cycles ago when he w- he was overweight he looked like the the Michelin man he was he was like this big pudgy guy and he's really been yeah. someone who David Feely has been able to get on the right diet get in get into the same strength program so uh could be could be a big year for him I'll say this too about John Ford I think there's still plenty more room for growth from him considering you know last spring he injured his forearm or wrist and he missed like the last half of spring and that injury uh lasted pretty much all the way up till fall camp right Andrew and so yeah yeah he was probably limited with what he could do if he's healthy has a full healthy off season I think there's even more potential for growth with John Ford as well even though you know he is a senior I still think he can he can reach another level this year too Let's get into linebackers here. Um, gone are, are Shaq Quarterman and Mike Pinckney, the two at the NFL Combine right now. In is Zach McLeod, who took the voluntary red shirt this past season, and a big question mark right next to him. Um, David, if you had to handicap it right now, who who do you think we see? Well, two two questions. Who do you th- who do you think we see Monday next right. to Zach McLeod at linebacker? And then who do you think it will be, um, we'll say, come the April 11th spring game? So I think just the first day, you know, generally coaching staffs go with the veteran guy. So I would guess either BJ Jennings or Wayne Minsteed will line up next to um, Zach McLeod for spring practice number one. I think 
if you're projecting who's going to start game one of the season, I would probably guess Sam Brooks, who's you know going to be out this spring with, with an injury, but he definitely impressed during the bowl game, uh, being thrown into the fire like that. And so, yeah, I think Sam Brooks, you know, Avery Huff, I think is the guy that I hope to see get a ton of run with Zach McLeod this spring. And he's a guy with a ton of potential. And if he, uh, if he realizes that potential, he definitely could be the starter as well. It's also a shame that Tyreek Austin cave is going to be out this spring with an injury. Cause he's a young guy who brings a ton of athleticism to the position that I think could have challenged for a starting job as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately this spring, to me, it boils down to Zach McLeod. How's he look? And um, Avery Huff. Can he play and learn within the defense? Uh, because if those are the two guys this spring, it's gonna it's gonna be impressive from an athleticism standpoint. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Brooks is also gonna be limited at at the start of spring. I believe that's what Manny said. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the him, him and yeah, and and Tyreek Austin Cave and and Corey Flag, right? Corey Flag still dealing right. dealing with something with, with the knee. So y- you hit it on the head. Um, I, Avery Huff, like what what is he going to be? I think he's a freak athlete. Loved him in high school. Uh, the thing I keep hearing and and what some of the, my contacts have said is, can he learn the playbook? Because if he gets the defensive scheme. They think right. he's going to be a freak. And, and like with Jeremiah Payton on offense, um, on defense, they say this is a guy who absolutely tore up uh, the scout team and practices this this past fall. So th- it seems like the sky's the limit. And, and when I say that, I envision the video of Avery Huff re- reaching up and putting both palms on like an 11-foot ceiling. It's it's insane. Um, so I, I hope he's the guy. Tell me this. And again, I'm not talking down on Shaq Quarterman or Michael Pinkney. They were both very good college-level linebackers. Um, but let's assume, you know, Zach McLeod stays healthy the whole year. And then the other linebacker is, you know, one of Avery Huff, Sam Brooks. I think we'll even throw Tyreek Austin Cave in there. One of those three guys. Do Don't you even finish. They will be more athletic. Okay, they will be more athletic. Do you think the drop-off from Shaq Quarterman and Mike Pinkney to the scenario I just named is going to be that significant? No. I I agree. I think think this defense is very linebacker-friendly, if that makes sense. And and look, again, Shaq Quarterman was a very good leader, smart guy, uh, played at a high level at Miami. But I think... You know, a guy like Zach McLeod brings more athletic ability. Um, and the other guys, whoever it is, are going to be very athletic linebackers, too. Um, and, and this defense, essentially, at the linebacker spot is see ball, get ball. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily think, you know, unless injuries start happening, I don't think the drop-off is going to be as severe as maybe Miami fans think it will be. I will say there should be con- some concern over uh, the transition that'll take place at striker. I mean, Romeo sure. Finley's graduated, and, and now it's Gilbert Frierson, and we touched on it on the last podcast, you know, Keontra Smith, um, this, the red, or excuse me, the, the rising sophomore safety, he, he's officially now listed on Miami's roster as a striker. So it's those two. Gilbert Frierson's going to be the guy. And he's, he got better as the year went on. But, I mean, man, he is not he is not yeah. Romeo Finley. So I do think there could be some, some gr- initial growing pains there. The thing with Gilbert is going to be how is, how is his tackling in space. Um, in my opinion, I think Romeo Finley was pretty good at that because, I mean, that strike – that striker position is basically all about your ability to tackle in space. And I think more times than not, Romeo Finley was able to get the guy on the ground. Um, So is Gilbert going to be effective in doing that? We'll see. I do think the potential, I didn't think Romeo was necessarily bad in coverage, 
But I think the potential is there for Gilbert to be slightly better in coverage than Romeo. Um, so to me, it, it boils down to how how physical is Gilbert going to be in tackling and run support and setting the edge and all those kind of things. Gilbert's a, a cornerback by trade, and that, that leads us right into the next the next uh, the next position group cornerback. Um, Miami's going to return DJ Ivy. Outblades Jr., both those guys are expected to be full goes this spring. And gone is Trajan Bandy, who oftentimes kind of uh, occupied that slot cornerback role. So I want to know who replaces Bandy in, in those certain situations. And, and what does this group look like? Is, is Ivy going to take the step, next step? I mean, Outblades, I know um, there's there's some number, advanced stats numbers out there that said he's, he's been very good, but... Um, these guys have been pretty up and down o- over the course of their careers. I mean, there's been plenty of positives and and highs, but there's also been some lows. Yeah, I think honestly, the best case scenario for this group is if we really see to Corey Couch and Christian Williams, who were freshmen last year, uh, you know, got their feet wet a little bit. Um, but if we see those two guys really start pushing, DJ and Al Blades for playing time and, and honestly maybe even surpassing one of them because I'm with you like I I think there is talent with both DJ Ivy and Al Blades but in the end it, it wasn't necessarily the most consistent performances um you know more so from DJ than Al but still Al had his moments of you know, inconsistencies. So I just want to see this group be pushed from the bottom up, if that makes sense. Um, And and particularly, I think the guy who would do that is Christian Williams, because he is kind of the bigger corner that both DJ and Al Blades are. And I I think to Corey Couch, he's probably going to fill that slot, that nickel corner role that you were alluding to with, with Trajan Bandy gone. Um, so yeah, I, I just think, I think the bottom line for this is competition amongst the position group, because I do think DJ and Al probably entered last season a little too comfortable, if that makes sense. Like they kind of knew, yeah, we're going to play no matter what. Um, but now I think there's going to be a little more competition at that group and hopefully it makes everyone better to be quite frank. Hot take to Corey Couch ends up being a starting corner. I don't I don't hate it. I you know, I think he's he's the best coverage guy of the group. He's just well, that, the smallest too. Yeah. Well but he, he's fast. So He is, he is. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big couch and believer and um, it, I think it would have been nice for Miami to get someone in for the spring, right? I mean, that will once yeah. again be a very thin unit. I it think will be. Bandy kind of Bandy kind of leaving. I think kind of hurt hurt not the numbers situation, but maybe that wasn't really expected. It would have been nice if Bandy came back uh, from a Miami perspective, but yeah, I mean, these guys got to make their own decisions. Moving to safety, the final position group. Um, I guess, what do you want to know? What's, what's the big thing for you there? So I think Gervin Hall had a, you know, fairly good first season as a starter, uh, in 2019, particularly as a sophomore. So still he, he was a younger guy. I think there was a lot of positives there. I think he showed an all around game in terms of showing some range showed his his striking ability as a hitter, um, showed the ability to play the alley. Uh, and I do think he got better as the season progressed. And so now I want to know, this spring, is Gervin ready to kind of take that next step and be a, you know, close to being maybe a star type player? I think the potential is there for him to maybe be on like a, second or third team all ACC um, in 2020 if he continues to work hard at his craft and develop. Uh, I'm a big Gervin Hall fan. I think he's 
still hasn't come close to his potential as a player. And now that he has that year of experience under his belt, he should be even more confident moving forward. You know, we saw Jaquan Johnson, uh, he kind of blossomed. He didn't really become a a starter until his junior year, Um, but he did kind of take a big jump going from that sophomore to junior year, junior year. And I'm just curious to see if uh, Gervin can take kind of a similar jump that Shaquan made. I want to know what they intend to do with um, with these safeties. Bubba Bolden, I, I don't think he's going to be uh, a full go this, this spring, or I, I doubt we probably even see him just given um, kind of the rehab process with what happened with it with his his leg and all that um but you know you you got Gervin Hall who I wholeheartedly agree I mean he's someone who who can pop up on an ACC team you got to love his talent then you also have Amari Carter um and then you got Avante Williams coming in this summer so how do they kind of manage these guys I mean I'm expecting to see a lot of Amari Carter and uh Gervin Hall this this spring but what what happens once Bubba Bolden's back into that equation? Is, is Amari Carter potentially someone they try out at at, at striker or or or, or what? Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I thought too. And if you want to play hypotheticals, if if Bubba Bolden was a full go, is it is Amari Carter the one that's getting moved over to the striker line, or or is it Keontra Smith? Right. No, I think that's fair. Um... Yeah, I, I do think, you know, the fan base, in my opinion, is a little too negative on Amari Carter. Uh, yeah, is he limited in coverage? Sure. But I do think I do think he's he's one of the harder workers on the team, and I think he can still improve in that regard this spring. And if he does improve, then, you know, you probably do leave him at safety as that third rotational safety Avante Williams, uh, who won't arrive until the summer, honestly, I wouldn't be against like toying around with him at the like quote unquote nickel corner position in, in some packages because I think he is that good at covering man coverage. I think he's he could get that job done there too, um, especially if like Takori Couch has cemented himself as an outside corner. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I do think the hope moving forward is that Bubba Bolden and Gervin Hall are your starting safeties for game one. Uh, it's a shame that you know another key guy is injured in Bubba Bolden and probably not going to get much reps this spring. Um, but Amari Carter is, is a solid safety, and you know we saw Robert Knowles take a jump last year. Um, why can't Amari kind of take a similar jump? And if he does take a similar jump, he's going to be better than Robert Knowles, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are kind of my thoughts at safety. Are we going to get into special teams here? I feel like we should not really get into special teams. Like, we're not going to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, spring football, they don't really. I mean, did they even do special teams last year? I don't think they did. Well, I remember randomly at the scrimmage at Traz, they they practice kick returns. Uh, oh, yeah. But, like, you, you know, you can't tackle, and so it's kind of like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> if the kick returner is always returning a touchdown, like, what are we learning from this? But, yeah, I mean, look, the biggest thing to know there is they added a new kicker in Jose Borregales, and, you know, hopefully the consistency improves with the field goal kicking in that regard, so... I, I mean, the big note is both their scholars and specialists are here. <laughs> Last year they weren't, so. Right. No, it's big. And, you know, yeah, there's there's probably going to be new look at returners. But, I mean, again, they don't really work that in the spring, to be honest. Um, I would assume it'll be guys like Mark Pope, uh, maybe a Mike Harley on punt return, no kick return. Dodge Haney, when he's healthy, will probably get a look there in the fall. So uh, that's all I got on special teams. 
<laughs> they're gonna have to find they're gonna have to find a punt returner. Gone is Jeff Thomas and uh, KJ Osborne. Who, um, who would you say? Who who do you think it should be? Dude, I I I, I have no input, no idea. Jeremiah Payton. <laughs> That's good. I'd I'd say you know Pope Payton or Mike Harley if you want to play it safe. Well, just get someone that can catch the ball. That that is right. priority number one, I think. Right. Um, why don't you run through the schedule? What we're gonna have on the site? I know me and you this weekend. We're we're going up to Orlando for what is probably one of the more loaded camps uh, we've seen in a, in a while. I think there's like 14 top 24/7 underclassmen that are gonna be up in Orlando. So we're gonna have full coverage of that. And then Monday morning, bam. We're right yeah. into spring practice number one. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, a lot of reaction off of that camp and those those practices. So during this first week of, of spring football for Miami, it's going to be four practices. I think they go Monday, Tuesday and then Thursday, Friday. So it's going to be a lot of content flowing on the site. Check it often. Uh, we'll try and keep you guys plugged in. You know, I'm sure we're going to be all over Garrett King on Derek King watch and uh, you know, plenty of reaction and just general thoughts on what we're seeing. So check the website inside the u.com for people who aren't subscribers, VIP subscribers, we might have a special next week uh, for an annual subscription. So I will suggest that to the bosses at 24 seven sports and, <laughs> and uh, you know, if, if you want to jump in and, and get the best coverage of this team for a full year, jump on in and we'll have a lot of fun together. Uh, and this is the time. I mean, we're coming right out of the dead period. We already reported major recruit expected to be at practice on, on Monday morning. And I'm sure that recruit won't be the only one there that's over the course of the week. So uh, the time is now. Yeah, it's always busy when spring football starts and and recruiting gets ramped up too. So yeah, there'll Miami, be plenty. Miami's got to Miami's got to find a quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean a, a quarter a quarterback for the class of 2021. Got to find a quarterback recruit. So there'll be plenty to write about and plenty to read on InsideTheU.com. So uh, you know, check out the website as well. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Take care.